our good Father in heaven, we are so thankful uh, for the opportunity to gather together as the body of Christ and consider ways in which you have sovereignly placed us, where you have placed us in this very time and place that you have with the people that are around us, the neighbors that you have given us, Father, both the uh, neighbors that are easy to connect with and ones that are very, very difficult and very hard. Lord, we trust and believe that you're doing a good work both in us and then also giving us an opportunity to be salt, to be light in the communities, in the places where uh, you currently have us living. So Lord, I do pray that our church will be marked by considering ways that we can pray for our neighbors, try to be thoughtful and creative in how we connect with them and to them and try to understand who they are, hear their stories, and then figure out ways in which we can share the life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Father, we're so thankful that whether it was a neighbor, a friend, a family member, a coworker, whoever it was that brought the good news of the gospel to our lives, Father, we are forever grateful. It has completely changed us and transformed us in ways that we want to see that happen in our lifetime. So help us to be faithful seed scatterers wherever you have us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> awesome. Uh, well, I haven't met you yet. My name is uh, Danny Falcone. And uh, one of the things I do uh, for my day job is work for a ministry called Apartment Life. And so Apartment Life, one of the things we do is help train and equip um, men and women to essentially do what we're going to talk about here this morning, to take the gospel, to connect with neighbors in apartment communities, to share the gospel with them, invite them to church. And so it's something that we um, have the blessing of training up uh, people to do often. And we've, you know, the ministry's been around for 21 years, and so we've seen uh, lots of ways that are helpful in connecting and engaging with neighbors and lots of ways where it's not as helpful. <laughs> so we've tried to learn from the failures as well as things that seem more helpful um, so this morning we're gonna we're gonna have kind of a, a time where we'll you know look at one kind of central passage for this idea of evangelizing neighbors, and then a lot of our time will be spent on the practical, just some practical tips, takeaways for you guys to consider as you think about the neighbors that God has given you in this season of life. So my thought will be I'll kind of teach through it and hopefully leave a good 10 to 15 minutes at the end for uh, to get some good Q and A going. But if you do have questions of clarification along the way, please feel free to interrupt me and ask questions along the way. I will not be upset by that in any stretch. A um, couple of resources to point out. One is, did you guys know we actually have a DRBC audio podcast? It's called, yeah, Delray Baptist Church Audio. So not the sermons, but the audio one. It has all of our foundations classes on there. It has classes like this, the evangelism series. So if you guys ever want to go back at any season of life, that's there for you guys to go back and, and look through it. Um, did you guys get a book list at the beginning of the time, the evangelism series? Not yet? Okay. We'll make sure that you guys um, get a book list. There's a really helpful kind of list of books for you guys to reference as well. There's one book called The Art of Neighboring that I'll reference a number of times today. Um, so The Art of Neighboring by, I think it's Dave Runyon and Jay Potak or something like that, P-O-T-A-K, something like that. But yeah, The Art of Neighboring, um, and I'll make some, you know, well, I'll just make those prefaces now. So The Art of Neighboring is a wonderful book when it comes to really practical, thoughtful wisdom in how to engage neighbors with the gospel. Um, I don't love some of the ways in which the, the book starts out with essentially saying, hey, if we all love our neighbors, we can change the world. I'm like, okay, well, maybe that's a bit, that's quite a big lofty goal versus loving our neighbor because we love Jesus. So I don't love that piece of it. That said, it really is a great resource um, to consider as you think about the neighbors God has given you. Um, also, Capitol Hill Baptist Church did a six-week uh, six-week series on neighboring. Um, so, just on their website, Capitol Hill Baptist Church has a great series there as well for those that are interested in, in diving in more and, and doing more. 
All right, so um, to begin our time, I want to lay out uh, some kind of guiding thoughts that I'll often share uh, with our apartment life teams and couples as they're uh, starting out their ministries in their apartment communities. Um, so the first one is this. It's the, the anchoring truth of God's sovereignty, right? So God's sovereignty. I'm sure that's something you guys have heard talked about a little bit so far during the evangelism series. But if you think about it, if God wanted your entire neighborhood or apartment community or townhome community or whatever to come to faith in Christ, he could send someone like Jonah in, right? I mean, think about the prophet Jonah, right? Jonah uh, hated the Ninevites, hated this group of people. He didn't want to love his neighbor at all. He hated these people. And yet God used one of the shortest sermons uh, ever from a man who absolutely hated this group to bring thousands of them to faith and repentance in that moment. And so, I mean, listen to this. This was his whole sermon, right? He sent Jonah in and the whole city of Nineveh came to faith. Here it is. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's it. And the whole city responded with, oh, weeping and, and repentance and, and ash cloth. I mean, uh, cloth, what is it? Cloth, sackcloth and ashes. And so it was amazing how you have to, we have to remember this ultimately is God's work in that. So that said, so God's sovereignty should help us to take a deep breath. This is God's work at the end of the day. He's the one that changes hearts. He's the one that brings people from death to life. It's not ultimately our doing. But that said, it should also encourage us towards, um, it, it gives us freedom now to scatter seeds when it comes to God's sovereignty. To say, Lord, you can actually change anybody's heart. Even this person that I don't have a perfect motivation towards, of love towards, even he can use any vessel that he wants. He can use us in our past and our histories and our current or present circumstances to scatter seeds. We are who the Lord is bringing into this person's life. Why? I don't know. Every time I'm in a person's life, I'm like, I can think of a thousand other people that would be so much more helpful to this person than me. And yet here the Lord is using me in that moment. And so... We can certainly take a deep breath um, because we, it's impossible to know what kind of ministry God's going to give us, right? Um, and one of the things I often share with our teams is that He might give us a Jeremiah or Isaiah type of ministry or a Peter and Paul type of ministry. And so here's what I mean by that. If you think about Isaiah and Jeremiah, God pretty much told them, hey, go and proclaim my word and truth to others. And by the way, they're, they're not going to listen to you. Just want to give you a heads up as you start your ministry. Uh, Jeremiah 7.27 says this, when you tell them all these things, this is God talking to Jeremiah. So when you tell them all these things, they will not listen to you. When you call to them, they will not answer. Not a single person. Imagine if you were moving into a new community and the Lord said, Hey, so thankful you're here. By the way, I want you to share the gospel with everyone in this community. None of them are going to listen to you. I mean, that was Jeremiah and Isaiah's type ministry. Whereas Peter and Paul, on the other hand, I mean, they had people, they got to see thousands of men and women coming to faith, and they even witnessed people being healed by their shadows and their handkerchiefs. Those are very different ministries. Why did God give a ministry to Peter and Paul like that? Why did he give the other one to Jeremiah and Isaiah? I don't know. I don't know. And yet, the call was the same. Hey, be faithful. Trust the Lord is doing a good work in people's lives as we faithfully kind of scatter these seeds of the gospel and see and see what he does because it's a good work. It's a great work. It's the most meaningful work to be involved in is to be used of God in a person's life in his grander kind of redemptive story that he's doing. And so that's a good motivator. That's a good encouragement um, for us. All right, so... Um, <clears throat> So that kind of transitioned us into um, our motivation, right? So of all the tips and tricks in the world, and again, we're going to get into a lot of the practical in our practical se section about how to connect with neighbors, evangelize neighbors. 
um, we want to start with our motivation. And there's lots of ways we can talk about motivation, lots of angles we can do for this. Um, but the passage we're going to look at uh, for a little bit here to kind of help anchor the motivation that I want to touch on during our time is found in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. So if you guys want to turn there to Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. So it is the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan. So I will, um, I'll read the first few verses, and then I'll have someone else uh, read the passage, rest of the passage for us through verse uh, 37. So Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. All right, well, I will start by reading the first couple of verses there of the passage. <clears throat> so here's Jesus sharing this parable of the Good Samaritan, starting in verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him, Jesus, to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and convert your neighbor as yourself. Is that, is that what your guys' translation says? Does it say convert your neighbor as yourself? It does not. Okay, apologies. I'm reading from my new Italian version. That's how we Italians like to think about these things. Um, what does it say? It says that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves, right? And it's, it's really, it's a very important distinction, right? Because sharing the gospel with our neighbor is, it's only one way, though I would argue the most important way, to love our neighbors, right? And so um, it's the broader way that we interact with our literal neighbors is love, which includes evangelism, but it's not only evangelism. And the reason that's important is because I think you guys have this in your notes, our neighbors can tell the difference between, and people can just pick up on this, right? The difference between an ulterior motive versus an ultimate motive. Ulterior versus ultimate. Here's what I mean by those two kind of distinctions. An ulterior motive is where something is intentionally kept concealed. It's kind of a bait and switch type of thing. I'm engaging with you in a relationship because I have something hidden in mind. And if that purpose comes about, great. And if it doesn't, well, I'm just going to, I'm done with you right? You have not accomplished my purposes. Whereas an ultimate motive is the true and ultimate goal or longed for destination. So the true and ultimate goal or longed for destination is the ultimate goal. And the reason why I bring out this kind of important but subtle difference between them is that is so that we can share the gospel versus loving our neighbor, which includes sharing the gospel. So that's the reason why we are loving people, not just so we can share the gospel, but because we're called to love our neighbor in so many different ways, in so many practical ways. Sharing the gospel just happens to be one of them. And this is a great quote um, from that Art of Neighboring book that I mentioned. Uh, they say, we don't love our neighbors to convert them. We love our neighbors because we are converted. So we don't love our neighbors to convert them. We love our neighbors because we are converted. Again, very important distinction within that. And so even for me personally, if I'm not moving towards my neighbors, I have to wonder, why is that? Do I feel like I'm not able to kind of get something from them that I'm really wanting? Or is there a way in which I am not being rightly motivated by God's love for me to move towards them in love? All right, does someone want to uh, finish reading uh, the rest of that parable for us uh, all the way through verse 37? But he, desiring to justify himself, himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and, and departed, leaving him half, naked, half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. 
So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the inner keeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed his, him mercy. Hmm. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Amen. Um, this is a wonderful passage, and we can spend so much time here. We won't get too deep into it, just for the sake of time. Um, and actually, um, we preached through uh, the yeah, the Gospel of Luke, I want to say about two years ago. So if you guys look on our DRBC kind of sermon uh, podcast there, Garrett preached a wonderful sermon on this passage a couple years ago if you want to get into more in-depth with it. Um, I'll just highlight a few things for our purposes when it comes to evangelizing neighbors um, this morning. So uh, real quickly, the context that was set up there is this back and forth between Jesus and this lawyer theologian. So the lawyer theologian asked Jesus two questions. Jesus, as he always does, asks him two more questions right back. And so he kind of flips the script on him because the lawyer is trying to justify himself. And so one of the questions that the lawyer asked is, well, who is my neighbor than Jesus? And so one of the ways Jesus turns it back on the lawyer is to say, well, instead of who is my neighbor, let's flip it to who was the neighbor to someone else. And I want to point out here in verse 33, a very significant, uh, at least for our purposes this morning, part of the passage. When we see this neighborly Samaritan, when he comes across the Jew that's half dead, beaten in the middle of the road. He saw him and, what does verse 33 say? He saw him and he had compassion. He had compassion. And so I want to camp out here just for a little bit because I think it's, um, when it comes to motivation, one of the motivations for loving our neighbor is compassion. It's really considering this person as a person to the point where our hearts are stirred up for, uh, with compassion towards them. And so in order for us to have compassion towards others, we have to regularly come back and think about the passion, the compassion that God has had towards us and that he has towards us. I mean, again, many places we can turn to to point this out. I'll mention a few. So in John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God, he what? He so loved the world, so loved the world, and, and demonstrated his own love in this way, that he gave his only son. God had compassion on us in our state of being dead in our sins and trespasses. So God's compassion towards us has started from the very beginning. Also, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ did something for us. Christ, He died for us. He laid down His life for us. When we were still sinners, when we were still His enemies, He had compassion on us. And then also Psalm 103, verses 13 and 14, it says this, As a father shows compassion to his children... So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him, to His children. Why? Because He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. And so if we don't recognize the compassion that God has shown us in Christ, it will be very, very, very difficult to show compassion to our neighbors, especially neighbors that are difficult, especially ones that are hard, especially ones that seem to just you know, leave their home and, you know, quickly sneak back into their home. It can be hard to think of ways, Lord, why would I even try to get creative to connect with them? They're just so um, withdrawn from me and from the neighbors in our community. 
And so we want to make sure that this compassion, again, is not driven by guilt or self-righteousness, um, but true compassion, true compassion. And one of the most practical ways that I've seen compassion grow in people's hearts and in my own heart when it comes to, honestly, people in general, whether within the body of Christ or outside the body of Christ, whether a neighbor, a friend, a family member, you name it, is to really spend time to learn their stories, know their stories, try to understand where they've come from, where have they come out of, what was their family life like growing up, what, what is their, you know, and again, we'll get into more practical ways to do this when we get into um, practical helps for evangelizing neighbors. But um, what are some of the things in their lives that have just repeatedly over time really beaten them down and made life hard for them, right? So this is not a way to excuse their behavior if it's difficult, but it gives us a context for their behavior. You know, the person who is more withdrawn, the person who just talks constantly, the person who, um, you know, complains when, my goodness, a ball gets anywhere near rolling on their yard. It's helpful to hear a person's story, and people oftentimes enjoy talking about themselves. And so this can be a, a good way to get to hear a person's story. But as we do that, Lord willing, our compassion for them will grow. We'll have a better understanding of them and, and some of the ways that they're responding or not responding to us. And so compassion is one of the things that's highlighted as a motivation for the good Samaritan, which is ironic because for the priest and Levite that are also in this parable, right, the Levites were the ones who assisted the priest, it was a part of their job description to distribute alms to the poor and to also take care of the needy, right? But in this situation, for the priest and the Levite, their compassion was completely lacking because they were off the clock. And so they drove on by. They were like, hey, this didn't fall into my realm of being on the clock, of giving alms and taking care of the needy. So, hey, I've got some other things to do. I've got another place to be. And so yet this good Samaritan was moved by compassion. And so there is this duty, this call, this command to love our neighbor, but to really get where the Lord wants us, I think it's clear we have to have compassion on people as well. Right? And also, it's in, in two ways. For both their earthly well-being, how are they doing? What's suffering like for them here on earth? But then also their eternal well-being, right? We want to make sure that there's a consistency where we don't just say, hey, I know you're struggling and hurting right now, but I just need to get to sharing the gospel with you and not worry about what's happening in their day-to-day -day life. And then if they, share, if they accept the gospel, great. If they don't, well, I'm moving on. I'm moving away from them to somebody else who might accept the gospel. So we want to be consistent and say, especially if it's our neighbor, right? And we're just around them all the time. There's a different burden for them than someone who lives, you know, hours away. So we want to make sure that we care about their earthly well-being. But on the flip side of that, we also don't want to people be people who just care about their earthly well-being, who are compassionate, who help try to provide and care for them. But we never get around to thinking about how we can share the gospel with them because we do care about their eternal well-being. I mean, if they are um, you know, comforted and provided for in this life on earth, you praise God for the grace they experienced, but that's gonna do nothing for them when it comes to that judgment day when they stand before the living God. And so we really wanna consider, Lord, how do I present this seed of the gospel to them in hopes that they might have the greatest comfort of all, knowing the greatest comforter of all, namely Jesus. And so we wanna to try to do both of those things together. And so Jesus here puts the lawyer, it's interesting in this story, as the one bleeding in the road. So Jesus flips the script here and says, okay, lawyer, if that were you, what would you want someone to do for you? If, what would you want someone, if you were the one laying, beaten, half dead in the middle of the road, what would you want someone to do for you? And so for us as believers, think about it this way. If, 
If we were someone who did not know Jesus and we were living in a neighborhood where there were committed followers of Christ living in that neighborhood, what would we want those committed followers of Christ to be doing for us if we were not believers? And so Jesus kind of flips the script and we go, man, what, what would I want someone to do? Well, Lord willing, I would want them to, to try to engage me, to try to get to know me, to try to share their life with me, and then, Lord willing, to share the gospel with me. And so it's one of the ways that we can be lovingly, I think, in a good way, motivated and, and challenged. And so we, will, we have to remember the ways that we have been neighbored in many ways by Jesus so that we can properly neighbor as well. Uh, any, uh, any initial questions on that? Again, we'll try to leave um, a good chunk of time at the end for uh, more questions. But any initial questions before we get into the practical ways, some ways that you can consider doing it, the actual evangelizing of neighbors? Everything clear there? Oh, question? I don't know what I want to ask, but I want to ask. Yeah, do it. Um, for the neighbors who are just very, like, I'm not religious. Yeah. Or like at all, or yeah. especially, I think in my life, I'm dealing with a lot of I'm spiritual but not yes. religious. Yes. How would you handle those? Yeah. Words? Yeah. That's a great question. Um, <clears throat> let me do this. I think we may. I'm trying to see if we'll actually hit on that in the okay. practical section. Mm-hmm. But come back to me if we don't, because it's a great question, okay. and I want to make sure we touch on that. Okay. That's a great question. Because that is, that seems to be of the more dominant thinking of the day. Mm-hmm. I'm spiritual but not yeah. religious is definitely, I think, the most common. Okay, so on the how do we do it, some of the practical ways. So, again, some of the things I'm about to share here, this is, this is more, think about this more as a menu of ideas than a rule book. And, and so what I mean by this is we all have different giftings, opportunities. It's not the same for everybody. And so you are not failing if you're not doing every single one of these. This is just some ideas to consider. Use one, two, three of them, all of them, none of them, and you can still be faithful in evangelizing neighbors. So I just want to make sure that nobody feels the pressure um, when it comes to thinking about how they might apply some of these things. All right, so the first one um, on the structural side, um, kind of how do we structure thinking about loving our neighbors? So the block map handout, if you guys didn't get that, it's on the chair, uh, kind of the chair in the middle of the room there. Um, So this block map is from... The, um, the art of neighboring. And so one of the things they encourage people to do is to say, hey, instead of thinking about your whole neighborhood at the same time, who are, I think there's maybe eight boxes, who are your eight closest neighbors that are around you? And just begin to think about some of the basic pieces of information for these neighbors that you can begin praying for and again, trying to learn their story. I think there's some uh, ideas listed there as far as like getting their names, trying to understand, you know, goodness, who's in their household. Um, and, and some of those pieces. One of the things we'll share with our teams is um, an acronym that we call H. So H, which is names, histories, hopes, and hurts. Names, history, hopes, and hurts. And so the reason that uh, we say it that way is because one of the key first steps is to know a person's name, right? Know a person's name and write it down. I literally have a note in my phone that says neighbors because I can't tell you the number of times I will have a conversation with a neighbor, uh, our most recent neighbors that we just met, Bridget and Mark, and I'll talk to them and then like three days later, I'll see them and I'll go, I have completely forgotten their name. I have no idea what their names are. Oh, hey guys, good to see you. And then they, they end up being, hey guys, for the next three years. And so it's so hard when I learn their name, I'll try to use the name in that initial conversation, but I'll pull up the note and just write it down so that I can just glance at it and go, that's who they are. 
that's their names. Because it's different. When somebody refers to you by your name, I don't know what it is. Something just changes. Something clicks differently when they're, uh, when they're using um, your name. And so the first one is names. Um, and then I would also say um, one of the ways that you can help them, that I'll help them, if I can tell they've forgotten my name, I'll usually try to insert my name into the conversation. I'll say something like, yeah, you know, the other day my wife was like, Danny, what? Why are you wearing that outfit? They're, those colors have never gone together in the history of mankind. Like I'll drop my name into the conversation to try to help them out. Um, so that's something that could be a blessing to them as well. If you notice, they absolutely have no idea what your name is. You might have to do that several times, but it's still kind. It's still loving. Um, and then again, the, the histories, um, uh, hopes and hurts. So we talked a little bit about the histories, but then, hey, what are some things that, you know, as you think about your life, you're most excited about, you're most hopeful for? What are, as you think about the future, what are things that you're hoping that will happen, you know, during your life here on earth? Um, and you'll find out what those hopes are or if, in fact, they are hopeless, which could lead to the hurts thing. What are, some, what are some things that are the most challenging for you in your life these days? You know, what are, what are things that are hard? And a very natural way to say that is, hey, you know, what are ways as I'm praying for you? What are ways I can pray for you um, in, this, in this current season? It's, it's very rare, very rare that someone will say, well, don't pray for me. I have an atheist cousin that will make a snarky comment every now and again, but he'll still let me pray for him. He'll still let me pray for him. And so again, names, histories, hopes, and hurts. The longer you get to know people, You'll get to know their hopes. You'll get to know their hurts. Sometimes they're in a season of great suffering. They'll start with the hurts, and so you want to try to move them towards the hopes to try to understand what's, you know, things that they are hopeful for. Uh, but it's a wonderful way to you know, either use that block map or whatever system is helpful to you. I do recommend writing it down, trying to get their names, trying to get some of these things written where you can refer to them, especially as you, as you pray for them. Um, there is, um, I think you guys did a, uh, I think it was part six of this evangelism series called Starting Conversations. I think maybe Jason Seville taught it um, this year. So you can go back and refer to that audio in the DRBC audio podcast. He talks about, um, yeah, starting the conversations to kind of wisely sow seeds with your words. And so the way that we talk about an apartment life is kind of spiritual connections or faith flags. So very early on in getting to know somebody, it actually, I've noticed it works better the earlier in a relationship versus later. I'll just mention things like, oh, yeah, I was at church this past Sunday. Or, you know, I was reading my Bible the other day. Or, oh, yeah, I was talking to a friend from church the other day. And you're just dropping little seeds in there of like, oh, this person, you are, you're a Christian. You, church is a part of your life. The Bible is a part of your life. There have been times when a person has said, oh, you read the Bible? Tell me more about that. Most of the time they don't say anything. But it just, it's a natural way where it's not like I'm three, four, six months, a year into the conversation and all of a sudden I want to start trying to talk about <laughs> things of the Lord or deeper things. They're like, where is this coming from? It could get awkward pretty quick. So we want to try to be dropping some of those um, spiritual connections, if you will, faith flags um, as we go. And to not feel overwhelmed, I know the block map has eight, which is wonderful. I would say start with one. Start with one person. Think of one neighbor. Ask the Lord to give you one conversation, one opportunity to pray for them, right? Just one. Start with one. Allow the Lord to build on that. If it could feel overwhelming, especially for those of us that can feel ourselves more introverted, start with one. That's okay. The Lord can do a lot of good work just in one conversation with, with one person. And then may He help us kind of you know, build on that. And then also for us, we want to celebrate the baby steps of growing in our love for our neighbor, right? We know that we're not there yet if we just drop a 
kind of a, you know, a little seed of, you know, spiritual connection saying that I went to church this past Sunday, right? We haven't quite gotten to the point where we want to as far as fully loving them and caring for them in, in kind of earthly ways as well as sharing the gospel. But if that's new for you, praise God. Don't miss what God's doing in your life. He's growing you in your love and desire for neighbors. Praise Jesus. He's at work. If that happens, you want to stop. You want to praise God for that and ask him just to continue to water that seed all the more as we continue to move uh, towards towards our neighbors. Um, for us, it's good to um, identify good places to know people's names. Uh, I think here recently, especially this weekend, Halloween weekend, there's been some block parties that have happened where I, I know lots of uh, people have taken that opportunity to go, hey, I've been living right down the road from you. What's your name? You know, what, what, uh, what's your address again? What home are you living in? Or even in townhome communities or apartment communities. So think about natural ways that the people are already gathering in your community. So it could be a block party. It could be a local park. It could be a good local restaurant, wherever those shared spaces are. I know with COVID, that's made it a lot more difficult, a lot more limited. But whenever you see a place in which people can gather, it's a wonderful way to get to know them. Um, so I know for, you know for us, well, let me hold on to that tip until I get to, or is that, maybe it's this one, hold on. So there's, yeah, well, no, that's later on. All right, I'll, I'll get, share that story about a neighbor here in a little bit. But for us, when we live in an apartment community, everyone would often gather in the club room. So we would just go down there. I'd often go down there and you know, grab a cup of coffee and get to say, hey, I'm Danny. I live in such and such apartment. What's your name? And it was just a very easy, natural way to get to know people. And you'll notice certain people you'll kind of click with a little bit more naturally. So that's a blessing to, to start there. It's okay to start with, with that particular individual. All right, so on the kind of side to be you know, more methodological, um, in part seven of this series, there's um, a conversation about practicing hospitality. Um, a, a wonderful resource there. It's a, um, I think it's called Hosp- The Gospel Comes with a House Key by Rosaria Butterfield. It's a book on hospitality, really wonderful resource. Again, I'll make sure, I'll find out um, how we can get you guys a list of books as good resources for this course in particular. Again, obviously, hospitality can look a little bit different in this time of COVID, but man, there's just something unique about having someone in your home or being in their home. There's a relational connection that happens. Just those two things alone, knowing their name, using their name when you talk to them, but then also having them in your home or being in in their home as well. Um, Another thing is to consider is how we kind of schedule or budget our time with with the margins. Um, This was also talked about in the starting conversations lesson, part six of the evangelism series. Um, In other words, how do we, if we think about our budgets financially, if we kind of budget every last penny and have no margin for emergencies, we're often going to end up overspending. If we think about our time, if our lives are so full, when we do have a neighbor, like this happened to me just the other day when I had my neighbor Gustavo, which is lingering by the fence. And I was like, oh man, I really got to get, I got to get my kid to soccer practice. Okay, let me talk to Gustavo just for a little bit. And he started sharing more. And I'm like, uh, how do I cut this short without being mean and rude? I got to get my kid to soccer practice. And so I had a conversation with my wife later on to say, hey, can we consider how are we doing with kind of scheduling our time and margins so that we can linger? And if a neighbor comes by, we actually feel the freedom to go, hey, how are you doing? Like, how's the week going? How's your day been? Maybe it lasts 30 seconds, but I want to, Lord willing, have time where we can have the opportunities and margin to connect with, with people as well. So we want to think about how we schedule our time. Learn some helpful bridge questions. So here's what I mean by bridge questions. How do we take a normal conversation into maybe going deeper? Um, One very helpful question you can ask is, hey, I'm just curious to know, uh, what was your spiritual background growing up in your home? 
most people are very happy and open to answer that. They'll share like, oh, we never went to church. Oh, yeah, we went to church a little bit growing up. Or, oh, actually, I went to this particular church most of my life, and I'm still going there now. And so that's a really helpful question. What was your spiritual background growing up? That's actually my personal favorite. I don't know why. It just feels the most natural to me in my conversation. Because nine times out of ten, what's that person going to ask you in return? So what's your spiritual background? And wow, what a great opportunity to share my testimony and say, hey, so does that resonate with you at all? Is there anything in there that I shared that seems to connect? So that's probably one of my personal favorites is what you're, and even just the other, you know, the, the comment that was made just earlier, a lot of people consider themselves spiritual, though not religious. And so it could really kind of latch on to learning more about them and giving you some more context for who they are. Another one, people, I've been surprised how, off, how well oftentimes people have responded to this question. But hey, has anyone ever clearly explained the gospel to you before? Like the word gospel, has anyone ever explained to you exactly what that means? There have been wonderful opportunities where we've been able to share the gospel with people just by asking that question. Because sometimes they'll go, well, no. And, and then, of course, the follow-up is, well, is that something I could you know, share with you now if you're open to that? A lot of times they'll say, sure, I'd love to hear it. Or they might say, well, no, not right now. That's fine. But even the opportunities we've gotten to share the gospel from that one simple question has been incredible to me because most people want to consider themselves open-minded, open to hear people's differing opinions. And so this is a natural way, I think, to kind of touch on that. The third one are these what we call wondering questions. These help me a lot. I have the best conversations with people after I'm done talking to them. I don't know why. Like after I'm done talking, I'm like, oh man, if I would have said that then, or if I would have responded to that pushback there, oh, that would have been incredible. Wouldn't it have been? And it didn't happen, but it's happening in my head. So these wondering questions are very helpful for people like me that find myself there a lot. And what I mean by wondering questions is this, the next time I see that person, if they said something significant that I just couldn't figure out how to engage, or if I just didn't in the moment say anything, I could say, hey, I was wondering the last time we spoke, you mentioned blank. Can you tell me more about that? So it's these wondering questions, right? I was wondering as I was thinking about what you said, can you tell me more about that? So it's just a way to kind of bring something back up that seems significant at the time. Or maybe you didn't have time in the moment to, to really get into it with them. So wondering questions can be very, very helpful. Um, connect with gatekeepers. Here's what I mean by that. The people who are offering uh, times, if you're an apartment community, the property manager. Hey, um, do you guys have any events that you do with people here in the community? Um, if someone wanted to help host an event, how would they market that? How would they get that out? How can we help you guys? How can I help you guys do these events? So the property managers are the one who can get access to everybody in the whole community and help organize a gathering, a block party, you know, around holidays, especially in this season. Um, or there's, if you're in a community that has an HOA, that's another way to do that. Um, an HOA would be another, you know, who's the president of the HOA? Hey, this is something we want to do. My wife and I, when we were in a townhome community, there was an HOA. And we talked to the president and say, hey, if we want to do a pancake breakfast on a Saturday morning, what do we do? He's like, I got you. I'll put out all the flyers and here's a budget that we have for that. And so we'll help you get it set up. And I'm like, that was easy. Thank you, HOA man. And so it was a really fun time. Um, so HOAs, gatekeepers could be a good one. Um, this one is a section in the Art of Neighboring book. It's called The Art of Receiving. That's really, really significant. Um, it's essentially saying yes to a neighbor's invitation or, or, or excuse me, offers for help or even intentionally seeking them out. So if I know that someone like my neighbor, I mentioned him, Gustavo, he's a licensed plumber. So I've had Gustavo come over, hey man, would you mind just coming and trying to figure out why this water pressure feels like someone's spitting on me? This is not a pleasant experience, Gustavo. Can you change my family's life? 
And so um, it actually, it's relationally, when people give to you, it, I don't know why, it just connects us to them and them, because they feel helpful. They feel like they're, they're helping you. So if someone's a great baker, a great, you know, fill in the blank, it's, it's ways to seek them out and say, hey, you're really good at this. Would you mind helping me out in this area? Or if they offer help, if you're able to say yes, as often as you can, I would say, say yes to that. As strange as it can feel, it's actually really helpful to connect with, with neighbors. Um, and again, we mentioned this earlier, kind of focus on the one or two. Focus on the one or two that God has given you a connection with. So when we first moved here, we were in an apartment community. <clears throat> Our next door neighbors, um, this wonderful couple, Jill and Eddie, it seemed like we were in the same season of life. He liked SEC sports. I liked SEC sports, which is a strange connection, but it, it was what it was. And so um, we thought, man, we're going to be really good friends with them as we kind of, you know, the longer we live here. Well, their lives were super busy. Um, our schedules just, it didn't quite align as far as when we would be freed up. So we'd see them from time to time, but not, not much. And so I was really bummed about that. But there was this other couple who was farther down the hall. Um, James and Sabrina, and uh, Sabrina would work from home, and uh, Melissa was staying home with the kids at the time, and there was just incredible relationship that built with them. I didn't feel like we connected, uh, connected as naturally with James and Sabrina as Jill and Eddie, but the Lord just gave favor there so that one day, Sabrina comes knocking on uh, you know, our door when my wife Melissa is home, and, so, and she's like visibly shaking, visibly shaking, and Melissa's like, is everything okay? And Sabrina's like, uh yeah, can I just spend some time in your home? And she's like, sure. And so Melissa tried to draw her out then, but Sabrina didn't share much at the moment. Well, a week later, my wife used the wondering question. Hey, I was wondering, like when you came over and you were really shaken up, are you feel, do you feel more comfortable sharing about what's going on? And Sabrina says, yeah, I, um, I, I saw some demons in my home the other day. And my wife was like, oh! And so sensing an opportunity from the Holy Spirit, Right? Very in tune with the spirit of my wife. She said, can you tell me more about that? Talk about a spiritual connection. And so they got into a good conversation about Sabrina, and she's a Zoroastrian, I think is the name of her, kind of professing religion. But anyways, it led to some wonderful gospel conversations with Sabrina and eventually James. I would not have chosen that, right, of all the people to connect with and all the things to try to engage somebody in. But again, that's where the Lord kind of showed favor and the people he connected us to. And so we open-handedly said, Okay, Lord, we'll pursue them, even if I don't feel like I naturally connect with. James is a big video gamer. I'm horrible at video games, but I try to connect with him, and the Lord gave some sweet opportunity there. Um, also, holidays, which we're in the midst of right now, so looking for people who decorate their homes more than others. It, and the reason I say looking for people who decorate their homes more than others, even though Halloween can get really dark here, I don't know why there's some scary stuff out there. I get terrified sometimes. My kids, I'm like eyeballs. But anyways, I get freaked out. But the people who often will decorate their homes the most are often the people who are like the connectors. They love connecting with people so that we don't have to be the ones to creatively come up with a Halloween party or a Thanksgiving, a Friendsgiving, or a Christmas party. So like um, we just got a flyer a couple weeks ago from a neighbor two doors down that's like, hey, we're hosting a Halloween block party in our driveway for anyone that wants to come. We'd love to. Fantastic. What a great way to connect with neighbors and get to know neighbors. And so um, also we found out that this family has like this group text with so many people in the area. The husband calls himself one of the village elders, which is strange, but also a great way to get to know about the community, about the people that are our neighbors. So there we go. So all that to say, if you don't find yourself gifted in that connecting, catalyzing type role, that's okay. I think the Lord oftentimes will kindly connect us with those people as we search for them. For whatever reason, the people who decorate their homes the most, 
oftentimes end up being people who love to uh, connect with them. Uh, this is, I'll just make this passing comment because there's not a ton of garages in this area. But if you do have a garage, as much as you're able to leave the garage door up, and so here's what I mean by that. If you have a garage and you just kind of, you know, you'll drive in, open it, and then you pull in and then close it, there's actually wonderful opportunities that can be missed just to connect with neighbors who are out. If you leave the garage door open when you're getting out of your car, if you leave your garage door open even during the day and you're just out there lingering, Again, uh, one of my neighbors on the other side, you know, Sue, she has this front porch that she's always out on. And I always see her and I always get to connect with her. And she connects with all the other neighbors. Why? Because she's just there. And so I think it's a similar dynamic, whether it's a front porch, whether it's a garage door that's open. If you're just around people, out, available, people want to connect with you as well. It just creates a lot of good opportunities um, for that. Also, something new important that's uh, or very important to remember, this is not, it doesn't have to be a solo endeavor for us, right? So we want to try to neighbor with the body of Christ. Neighbor with the body of Christ. Here's what I mean. What are some joint efforts we can do with other believers? Um, when my wife and I were an apartment life team and we would host these different events, there was uh, a few couples from our church. Uh, I think you know two in particular were just very gifted at evangelism. And so I'd be like, hey, I need some help in this area. Can you guys come to this event and just kind of, I just want to watch the way you engage our neighbors. And they would. And by, because of our influence, my wife and I's influence, these neighbors now ended up going into these people's homes, these you know, friends from church, and they heard the gospel from our neighbors. Praise God. It doesn't have to be us. We don't have to be the ones who share the gospel. It could be that we invite them to church and they hear the gospel at church. They're going to hear the gospel every Sunday here at Delray Baptist Church. So if people are willing to come to church. Praise God. They could hear the, the gospel that way. If we're willing to have a friend over and they come over too, anytime we have a neighbor over, we always try to have someone from our church over as well. Because it's going to be a natural, tell me about who you are, and I'll tell you about who I am. Their testimony comes up in that. The gospel can come up in that. So it doesn't just have to be us, right? Lord, use us to scatter seeds. That's it, right? The par parable of the sower. It didn't say anything about his technique. Like, oh, the ones that he threw under his leg and did a 360 and slammed it into the ground, that one grew and bore a lot of fruit. No, it's just these scattered seeds. He drops them on the ground. My goodness. And so we want to be seed scatterers in how we kind of drop the spiritual connections, invite people to church, share the gospel with them. Um, I put a, uh, a section in here on, um, on difficult neighbors. Uh, we could spend a lot of time on this. I just might want to more so acknowledge why loving our neighbor can be very hard when our neighbors are uh, difficult. People who are maybe kind of harsh or bitter, um, closed off in many ways. We had some good friends at our church here that um, are no longer at the church. They, they moved down south, but they had neighbors that would literally stand there while you backed out of our friend's driveway to make sure you didn't get on their lawn. Like he would literally come out and just stand there and stare at you. This was not a pleasant man. Um, he had some very harsh things to say to our wonderful, loving neighbors. Um, but one of the passages that really helped them was Romans chapter 12, verses 17 to 21. So Romans 12, verses 17 to 21, which is essentially calling us to live at peace and to not repay evil for evil. Um, do we have time? We do have time. Can someone, um, can someone read that passage for us? Romans 12, verses 17 to 21, just as a, a passage to have in mind if there's somebody in your life, especially a neighbor, that can be a little bit difficult. And anyone that gets there first can read it for us. Pay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. 
Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Yeah. And so again, we're not wanting to excuse this person's harshness in their behavior, right? There's a difference between excusing it and also being wise if they're even a little bit, you know, dangerous in other ways. But we do want to say, all right, Lord, how can I still think about, again, a passage like Romans 12 and how it is that I want to still try to move towards them with, with love, with service, um, with good works. Um, a really helpful resource if you want to get into this uh, more in depth. One of my favorite books, actually, just period, is Peacemakers by Ken Sandy, S-A-N-D-E, Peacemakers. Talks a lot about how to have difficult conversations and conflict with people. So Peacemakers by Ken Sandy, really, really helpful resource. Um, some neighbors you might find are very, very needy. They're constantly needing things from you, from others. They're constantly asking but never giving. Um, and so there's ways in which we can feel burdened to be the one to always find a solution versus helping them find a solution. Hey, what do you think needs to happen? Hey, who are some people you know in your life that can write fill in the blank? So there's ways we can be wise with uh, people who find themselves in needy places. We actually, so uh, here at Del Rey, we have a whole team of deacons called the Community Care, Deacons of Community Care. If someone does have material, tangible needs, I would say connect them to one of our our deacons of uh, community care, uh, or even just have them email info at drbc.org, and they'll connect them to the deacons that way. Um, so we do have practical ways we can help them. Um, I'll mention another resource if you want to go deeper in this area. It's called When Helping Hurts. When Helping Hurts by Steve Corbett, C-O-R-B-E-T-T, and Brian Fickert, F-I-K-K-E-R-T. One of my favorite resources when it comes to trying to help people in ways that don't actually do more harm than good. Um, logistical yeah there's um, in the Art of Neighboring book kind of pages 140 and following it has a great uh, description of or explanation of some reasons that people don't respond that we don't have to take personally so if a neighbor gives you the stiff arm is not responding to you moving towards them you don't automatically take that personally there's lots of reasons why they might not be connecting to you with you and responding to you it's not always personal so I thought they gave a great list there on page 140 and following I'm just going to reference these resources for you guys uh, as we go. And then last thing, pray and look for opportunities to bless difficult neighbors. Pray and look for opportunities to bless difficult neighbors. So in the Art of Neighboring book, there's this illustration or, or a real life story given about uh, a man named uh, Pete and his wife who were neighbors with a neighbor who had a dog that would bark constantly. All day, all night, the dog would just bark and bark and bark and bark. And Pete was like, man, how do we lovingly tell our neighbor that their dog is driving us absolutely nuts. It's a hard thing to say to somebody in a loving way. So Pete tried to write a thoughtful note to them, left his number, said, hey, feel free to call me if you have any questions. No response from the neighbor. Finally, eventually, Pete goes over, knocks on the guy's door, tries to have a conversation in a gentle, respectful way about the dog. It did not go well. The neighbor got defensive. Nothing changed moving forward. Well, so that was their reality for, for months. And then, you know, there was a big kind of heavy snow one winter where they lived. I think it was in Colorado. So Pete's shoveling his, you know, driveway, and he's like, you know, this is a good opportunity to go bless this neighbor. That's just been so difficult. So he goes and he shovels the neighbor's driveway for him. Well, um, the neighbor's um, brother comes out who doesn't live there and says, hey, thank you so much for, for doing that. It's just been a really rough week for us. And Pete was like, yeah, where's uh, you know, so-and-so, the neighbor? And he's like, well, he just got diagnosed with cancer a week ago, and he's been in the hospital. 
And Pete was like, oh my goodness. So him and his wife had the opportunity to go to the hospital, visit with this man, pray with this man. And uh, they ended up building what they felt was a real friendship moving forward. So by the, the writing of the story, this, you know, this man didn't come to faith in Christ. The dog was still barking. But the way Pete described it was he just didn't notice it as much because he, he had this real love and relationship with this man. And so we want to look for opportunities to bless difficult neighbors. It's one of the most powerful things we can do is to kind of love and serve people who are, who are difficult. All right, so that's, that's all that I have. Again, Art of Neighboring book, very helpful resource um, for a lot of the things we touched on today. We have about 10 minutes left. So uh, kind of starting with, um, with the first question here. Yeah, so how do you engage someone who says they're spiritual? Um, one of the ways could be, you know, um, I think of those bridging questions of, well, yeah, tell me about your spiritual background growing up. What, what was that? Because that will help fill in a little bit more <clears throat> the people who are, uh, what does it mean to say? Exactly. What do you mean by that? And then if they're open to it, if it seems like they're really open to say, well, hey, you know, one of the things that I enjoy doing is people are considering where they might land when it comes to spiritual things. Would you be willing to, to read the Gospel of John with me? If you're open to that, I'd love to meet with you, and we could just read through that together, and you could ask good questions, and that could be a, a real kind of non-aggressive um, way to invite somebody into taking that next step with you. Um, so those two things could be some practical helps for people who, again, that's kind of the spirit of our age right now. So. Would you choose John because that's Jesus' life and death? So John, uh, yeah, and there's many good ones you can choose, but yeah, John, it's just, it's... Um, it's so, obviously, it's you know, the life of Jesus, but John has so much rich truth, even in those early chapters, that really talk about what does it mean to be born again? What does it mean to you know, have eternal life versus eternal um, death? And so I just, naturally, I'm more drawn to the way John writes than, than Paul. I'm so thankful for the Apostle Paul. My brain just thinks more like John. Um, and so it just seems like there's a lot of narrative in John that oftentimes people can connect with um, a little bit easier if they're um, newer to exploring things in the Bible. So, yeah. Yep. So the Gospel of John has been, been a great one for us. Yeah. Any other uh, questions, clarifications, pushback, examples from your guys' own life? Things are helpful. Yeah. Good question. So I used to live in a neighborhood in Boston okay. where like, it's just really hard to connect with neighbors. Yeah. So like, like apartment buildings, yes. townhomes, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. It seems like everybody's either coming from work yes. or going to work or going to like yeah. their next thing. They all have earbuds in. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yes. Do you have any, like, I'm in a different neighborhood now. I'm yes. grateful for that where like my neighbors will talk to me. Okay. Do you have any advice for the person, the yeah. Christian who's hounded by the reality yes. of AirPods? Yes. You know yes. I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially on planes now. That world is totally different for me now on planes. Like, and there it is. Oh, those are noise canceling. You have no idea what I'm saying right now. You're not seeing me at all. Yeah, it's very challenging, very difficult. Um, well, what's interesting is even statistically speaking, more than half of people in apartment communities don't know a single person in their whole community. I think that number is higher in the area where we live. I say all that because, um, well, one, obviously just praying. Like, Lord, I, I just want one person, one opportunity, one conversation. So prayer is significant in those moments. And then two, again, depending on the community, if there's an opportunity to connect with the property manager and say, hey, do you guys host events here at all? If me and some friends wanted to help host an event for the community, would you guys be open to that? So knowing what I know about the apartment industry, they are dying for people to host events for them. 
to engage residents. They just don't have the time as the staff. So that could be just a natural way to do that, where all of a sudden you have this space where there's a few people that come down to the event to grab a bite to eat or grab a, you know, whatever, grab a drink. Um, that in apartment communities in particular, we've seen make a big difference because people are hungry for it. It's just awkward for them and it's easier to hide, right? In a, I mean, you can go parking garage, elevator, AirPods, straight to your room. Um, so that would be an encouragement to kind of talk with the property management and see if there's, there's ways to do that. Yeah, good question. It's a very hard context. Yeah. yeah. Anyone else? Any kind of questions? Or, yes? Uh, just three things about books. So uh, one other great book um, is The Simplest Way to Change the World, Beautiful Hospitality and the Way of Life. Um, you've heard of that one. I have. It's excellent. Yeah. Remind me who the author is again. Uh, That's okay if you can't remember. That's all right. Yes. Amazon will help us. We can just put that in there. But yeah, that is a great Yes. 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 Can you think of a good book to recommend if you were just going to put out to your neighborhood, say, um, who wants to come to my home and read through a book and discuss it? Something that's, you know, maybe not exactly like reading through the book of John. Right. Her, right. Kind of in between that might lead towards. Yes. Gospel-centered conversations. I've been yeah. thinking about that, and I just don't know. Oh, I don't a, know what that book would be. That's a great question. Um, so, uh, some. So, I, I personally have been very helped by um, books by uh, Tim Keller because he always has an engaging, apologetic type um, of mindset in his writings. And so, whether it's a book, you know, like *The Meaning of Marriage*, or he wrote another book on suffering, that's a really, really good one as well. Um, that one, it is, it's obviously going to be explicitly Christian, right, in its bent. Um, so that's, you know, um, so Tim Keller is one that I've gone through with, with friends and uh, with, um, have we done that with neighbors? I don't know that we've done that with, with neighbors necessarily. Um, so I'm trying to think of, you know, outside of, uh, you know, because there's one's called, I think it's called um, Christianity Explored which is another one. Again, that's for those that are more interested in, in doing something like that. Um, I'd have to give that more thought if there's something even one level up from a Tim Keller book. Yeah, kind of topic that might drop people. Yeah, like yeah. Home, right, right, right. Right, I'm trying to think if there's even like biographies or memoirs on just um, things that a person shares that um, whether there's just some suffering involved there, I think could be ways that you can help people up. Yeah, you have a one, suggestion? One like that would be Unbroken. Um, Unbroken. Yeah. That's great. Unbroken is a great one. Yeah, that is a wonderful one. I think a book like that could be significant. Someone like somebody's story like that. Unbroken, that's a great suggestion. Yeah. Anyone else? Any suggestions for books like that? That's a really great question. Yeah. Oh. I Yeah, those are great resources for people. And shorter reads, too, you can go through somebody. Those are great suggestions, yeah. I was just going to say, if you want something that's like, like you're starting with people who aren't at all interested in Christianity, but right. might be interested in literature, yeah. you could do some C.S. Lewis. That's true. He's got, yeah. like, like, some things aren't, that's true. aren't like, directly, like, here's yep. the gospel. Yep, you know? right. He's got, like, the, the Space Trilogy. Yep. He's got... Like everybody knows Narnia. Sure. He's got sure. things like the Great Divorce, the Screw Tape Letters, yeah. which would would all like be discussion starters. That's true. But if you're working with 
like people who are like you you just can't get them for like a Christian book you could do yeah that, you know? yeah that's great yeah those are some good good By suggestions the way, there, there is a new C.S. Lewis movie that's showing mm-hmm. in our area yeah That's wonderful. There you go. On the 3rd and the 7th, you said. Great. Of November of this next month, which is crazy that that's tomorrow. But anyways, <laughs> i got to pay my bills. But um, yeah, so that's, that's wonderful. Yeah, inviting with something like that. So C.S. Lewis, uh, the movie on his life coming out. Third. Yeah. Maybe also considering what needs are in the community. Like yes. Like your neighbors yeah. mostly have kids, then some book on parenting, and then... There you go. Season of life. Discussion. Yeah. Or, like if everyone is like a professional than some yeah. book about time management or busyness or something. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And we even had some friends who started um, what they call just like a big questions discussion group. And they just invited neighbors and said, hey, here's for the next six weeks. We'd love to talk about what's the meaning of life. Is there any purpose and stuff? Like that was even, it wasn't a book per se, but it was people who were very interested. And they got like a group of 10 to 12 that were interested to talk about deeper things. And so it wasn't a book per se, but it was a discussion group that people were excited about. Yeah. I think we have time maybe for uh, one more question. One more question. I'll, I'm happy to stick around after class as well, if helpful. You good? Awesome. Wonderful. Well, thank you guys for spending the last hour together. Really love discussing this. Um, uh, this topic and I'm thankful this is so encouraging for me to see you guys willing to you know carve out an earlier hour on a Sunday morning to hear about this um, ministry of evangelism that God has blessed us to be a part of so I'll be praying for you guys as you go out uh, with the people that he's put in your life so uh, let me pray for us as we go and we'll uh, I'll go get coffee and then you guys can kind of do whatever you want so let me pray all right uh, well Lord Jesus we are again grateful um, for the seed of the gospel father so small in so many ways and yet it can change a person's life, Father. It's just incredible to me um, that you have made that known to us and that you now, Lord, instead of just sending angels around to just share the gospel with people, you send us. I don't quite understand why. I can think of a much more efficient way to do it, a much better way to do it. But Lord, we have to trust that it not only gives you the most glory when you use us, (laughs) these vessels, these jars of clay, um, but Lord, when our jars of clay have this treasure inside of them, Oh, there's great value there, Father. And so we pray that we would be changed and transformed in how we pray about these neighbors that you've put in our lives and how to share the gospel and how to be creative and how to invite them to things like the C.S. Lewis showing or try to think of books and resources and discussion groups that could get our neighbors more connected and more engaged, those that are interested. So God, give us great wisdom moving forward. And would you also just bless our efforts, Father? We are not going to be perfect at this, but we want to see and trust and believe uh, that you can use us to scatter seeds, whether we get to see the fruit of it in our lifetime or not, whether we're more Jeremiah and Isaiah's or Peter and Paul's. Lord, help us to to be faithful and to have great joy in knowing that we are being used by you in this way. But Lord, we have to grow in our our understanding of your love for us first. Would you daily remind us of the love that you have for us in Christ Jesus every day to melt our hearts, to change our hearts, to make us want to give our lives to you and say, this is the God who came down and rescued me and I get to be a part of what he's doing? Sign me up, Father. Sign me up. So Lord, help us to be driven by that and not by works to be driven by love, to be motivated in the way that the, um, the Good Samaritan was, to have compassion on these um, men and women that you put in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.